This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. They pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for their first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. You could also find them or email them at Line11Clothing at Yahoo.com. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the show up, Dad. Today's special guest is Tony, and he has recently been on the showcase on the critically acclaimed show Forged in Fire, where he won the title of champion. Apart from being the show's champion, he is a single dad of two girls, Carissa, 23, and Tony, 18. He has spent 20 years in the line trade, and he has worked as a contractor and he gave them nine years he later went on to southern california's edison where he's been for the past 11 years okay so tony currently is the operations supervisor for the ontario district in california today he's going to share with us what it took to become a show up dad welcome to the show brother hello how you doing my man dude Awesome to get you on here, bro. I'm doing swell, man. Uh, congratulations on winning Forge. You know that that's a awesome honor, dude. I've been watching that show for a while now, and it's it's pretty awesome what you guys do. You know for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely a challenge, and it was it was awesome just to participate in it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience on the show there, Tony? Yeah, sure. Just like I was saying, it was a very challenging, and you know mainly because you're not in your home forge, you know, you're in a, in a setting where you're being timed and, uh, you know, you got to pay, pay attention to what you're doing. There's no, there's no mistakes allowed because you've only got three hours in the first challenge. And, you know, you make one mistake and it's hard to recover in three hours mm -hmm. at home, you know, be a lot easier, you know, you're, it's more controlled and you got all day. So that, you know, in my opinion, that was the most challenging part, you know, you're not home. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. What 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 got you making into uh like making blades and swords and stuff like that, Tony? What what sparked your interest in that if you don't mind us? Yeah, sure. The the first the first spark was uh I had just purchased a knife, you know, pocket knife and uh, I'd lost it. So I was like, Oh, you know what, I'll go get another one. You know, and I went to the shop to go buy another one, it was four hundred bucks and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make one and it started there, but I think the main reason was since I've been out of the fields for a little bit now, you know, and in the office, um, I'm just working with my hands, you know, and it was an opportunity to get back in, in a sense in the tools, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just building stuff and making stuff. Cause I love that so much. I love this trade that we're part of. And I just wanted to get back in working with my hands. And I think that was mainly the main interest right there. Mm -hmm. And I could totally see that too, because as tradesmen, as linemen, I think people forget that, man, we're actually creators. I mean, we, we take something and we turn it into something, you know what I mean? Whether it be, you know, here's a cross arm and, you know, a couple of pins. And next thing you know, we're bored at the house, you know what I mean? Waiting for the next big job and we're, we're making a mailbox, 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what that I mean? That is correct. So that's part of our creative nature, you know, as, as tradesmen and stuff like that. So I think that, that that's awesome that you found that. I have another friend named uh, Will Monzingo. He's one of our sponsors. And uh, he actually makes knives, too. He doesn't do them to the extent that you do. He actually does grinding, you know, so he mm-hmm. doesn't do the forge. But, um, I mean, he makes some really awesome lineman knives as well. You know what I mean? That is That is super cool. Now, I wanted to ask you, Tony, how did that hobby help you to be a better father? What do you think? You know, just like any other job, you know, and anytime we spend away from from our families, you got to have some sort of time management, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, those are some of, the, some of the things that earlier in my life, you know, I didn't have a big control of. So taking on this hobby was extra, right? I still work. And I'd come home and do this. So I was all about time management to re- to retain that family connection, you know, that I have with my girls. So, you know, I think it made me even better with my time. Definitely, you know, because it's not easy, you know, working two jobs. <laughs> right. Definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely uh, you're burning the candle at both ends. Uh, <laughs> For sure, yeah. We had uh, a couple of past guests on here, and that was so the reason why I asked you that question is because a couple of the past guests on here were linemen as well, and they transitioned out of their tools. Um, one of them's uh, Kevin from Low Drag Line Hand, and the other mm-hmm. one is Something Obscene. Uh, and he came oh, out yeah. here, and uh, they, that was one of the things that they had to adjust to as well, just figuring out how not to spend so many hours in their shed just grinding and you know putting in the work to, to be successful. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So we want to transition to this topic, Tony. Okay. As you know, this show is a, based on the premise of, uh, you know, trying to be a better father, trying to be a better husband, trying to just be better in general. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, can you have, can you give our listeners a brief history of your family and how was it like growing up in your household? You know, your father and mother and stuff like that, if you don't mind. No, for, yeah, I'm a first generation Mexican uh, American here. My parents are both from Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they came over here in the '60s, married, and I'm the oldest four. And uh, I grew up in Long Beach, uh, which is a coastal city here in California. Up until the age of ten, then we moved out to uh, a little bit called Montana. And uh, growing up in my house uh, was. It was a very uh, disciplined home. Uh, my mother was always very loving. My father, very disciplined. But uh, he knew how to show his ways of love in a certain way that us kids understood. But knew that you better have your chores done, you know. Whatever he, whatever he said had to be done definitely was number one, you mm-hmm. know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't complain about my childhood, you know. I played sports throughout my whole life, you know, my parents were very supportive of everything I did. Uh, we had an impact on my life, you know, and especially with my father. Um, my father's a mechanic, so he works with his hands, and he's a craftsman. He builds engines, he does whatever it takes to get a car going, and he's still doing it to this day, at the mm-hmm. age of 69. And I'll tell you what, that was real important for me, just what, what he taught me, you know, because I still maintenance all my vehicles. 
I'll take them in unless I have to. You know, there's some things we can't do because of all the electronics in these cars these days. But let me put my hands into the monster, I guess you could say. You know, I was in there, and you know, he taught me a lot. You know, my, I respect my father big time. Mm-hmm. Looking back, Tony, um, what are some of the things that you think that shaped you? Just what he taught you, like. Do you think it was like work ethic? Is that one of the greatest things that he showed you? Or yeah. what, what would you think? Definitely work ethic. My, my dad taught me to really go out and get it. You know, I've been working since I was 16 years old. I've never stopped. Um, main thing he taught me. The other thing he taught me, my, my father, was, the ways he showed me, you know, love, a little different than how I show my how I show my girls love. You know, my dad was disciplined. You know, like you get this done, you get that done. And it's it's work. You know, you take care of your family. He taught me that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I learned from my father was, okay, although my dad, you know, every birthday um, on my Saint Day, you know, San Antonio, mm-hmm. he would sing to me, and that's how my dad showed love. You know, he was he he would get down and, and sing the son a song. It was really cool. So mm-hmm. if we're far in between, you know, it was only on birthdays once a year, you know, once in a while. So I learned from my father that like, okay, and not that that was bad, but I learned from my father to tell my kids, I love you every day rather than just once in a while. But although I knew my dad loved me a ton, you know, guy mm-hmm. was awesome. You know, he just had a different upbringing. So I learned a little different things to do with my own kids than what he, you know, what he did. But mm-hmm. us brothers and sisters knew how much our dad loved us. He was just getting us ready for this world, you know, yeah. in, his, in his own way, in his own way, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to see that you recognize that. that that's, a, that's a good thing. I mean, to see that, you know, what he was lacking in, in telling you guys, you know, I love you every day, but knowing that he loved you, you know what I mean? And then just saying, Hey, I didn't like that. I'm going to change that in my family. And that's the whole thing about being a show up dad too, is just, you know, not blaming our parents, you know what I mean? Not blaming our parents for their downfalls or what they did or did not do, but saying, Hey, let's take the good and the bad and let's adapt from that. And let's not do what they did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that that's cool that you right. recognize that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what did he teach you about being a father that you like to share to your two daughters? Like, what have you shared with them that he's taught you? Um, well, my dad, just by simply singing a song to me, you know, on my birthdays and stuff like that, taught me how to be just humble, you know, because what's the number one fear in the world is speaking in front of, you know, crowds or whatever, right. singing, you know, I mean, that's got to be tough, you know, and my mm. dad would do that for me. So it taught me to be just so humble with my kids and, and, and just, um, just expressing my shortcomings even with my own kids, you know, just if you can humble yourself and, and talk to your kids in a way that, they can relate to you that even dad has, you know, things that bother him and stuff like that. You know, that's, 
that's that's something that they can relate to and say, hey, it's okay to be, you know, down sometimes or have problems because even dad hasn't, but he tells me about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think my dad, by singing to me and, and being so humble and doing those things for me was just um, what's what taught me to have a relationship with my kids in that way where they know everything about me, mm -hmm. you know? And it, it's pretty cool, you know? Absolutely, and that just builds a whole different level of trust too when you're being transparent with them you know I, I, you hit the nail right on the head I mean that's one of the things I try to share with my ch children as well you know I got a, a daughter who's a teenager and two young little strapping young lads you know what I mean <laughs> sons and uh yeah. you know what I mean I, I let them know you know because you know we're linemen bro we're tough <laughs> you know right. what I mean yes, you, absolutely you, you can't be weak and be in this trade you know I mean, there's a lot of guys out there nowadays who try to act tough and stuff like that. We know we're tough, you know. And uh, yeah, right. with that being said, tough guys cry, dude. You know what I mean? And we got we to gotta show them that. We got to, you know, show them that, hey, it's okay to be hurt. You know, there's things in life that are not going to, you know, happen. And it's going to disappoint us. And guess what? It's okay to be disappointed, but we need to adapt. You know, That's right. we, we got to be able to handle it, you know, and we got to be able to take that blow on the chin, you know, and, and come back, you know, because I think now more than ever, children are being taught that life is just going to beat you up and they stay down, you know, no more, um, you know, dust it off, kid, like they used to tell us, you know what I'm saying? Right. You, know, you get hurt or whatever, knock, get the wind knocked out of you, you know, what they tell you, get up, you know, yeah. knock the dirt off get back in there. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of that cowboy mentality, lineman mentality that I think us as tradesmen have, you know what I mean? And if you have that balance, especially with daughters, you know what I mean? We teach them that, that grit, right? But if we yeah, absolutely take it to another level and we don't have that balance, then it can be uh, negative as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, man. You have to, um, you know, with the kids these days, you have to find a way that you can relate to them to speak to them. You, you know, some kids can't take the uh, walk it off kind of, you know, mentality. Mm -hmm. But you got to find a way, and it's no different when you talk to an apprentice too. There's different, there's different ways to, you know, to approach different apprentices. They all learn a different way, and you got to form a relationship with every single one of them. You got to adapt yourself. It's no different, in my opinion. The way you deal with your kids, you know, one mm -hmm. kid may have a whole different attitude and you got to learn how to adapt to one daughter than to the next, you know, and find that balance. Absolutely. You know, that's the way I look at it. No, I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, one of the, uh, I had a line daddy, you know, like all of us. And, uh, mm -hmm. one of the things I always was impressed with him is he would take like the worst apprentices, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody who they, you know, the ones that had a chip on their shoulder or whatever, you know, you'd take them. And mm -hmm. I'd ask him, I was like, why do you do that? And he'd be like, dude, everybody has a strength. Being a good lineman, yeah. being a good coach, being a good father is being able to see their strengths and then just put them in there. And that builds confidence in them. You know what I mean? If they can only yeah. dig holes, well, guess what? Put them in dig holes and go for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just win, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that was his mentality, you know? And it, 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 you know, he was a, he was a good lineman. He was a good father, you know? Um, that's awesome. I wanted to ask you, Tony, how hard was it raising two daughters, bro? Raising two girls, you know, fortunately for me, it, it, it turned out okay, man. I didn't have a lot of problems with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I don't know. 
the way I raised them along with their mothers, I, it was, um, it wasn't very difficult. They knew the expectations that we had of them. Um, I, I was very fortunate and blessed to have two girls, which are, and they are different, but they had the same values, same values, same discipline, totally different attitudes. But I, I got to tell you, man, I didn't have a hard time at all with two girls. I probably would have had a hard time with a boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I mean, I got to tell you, it was, it was a joy raising them and, and, and see how they blossom. And, uh, it's, it's just been a joy, man. It, it wasn't tough for me in the sense of like the whole, I have two daughters, like, Oh my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't in that way. So I don't know. I wish I could answer that better. <laughs> uh, one of the things I wanted to ask, like, like for me, me having one daughter, right. Mm-hmm. Especially now that she's, you know, becoming a young lady, like, I don't know anything about that. And, you know, the other day she told my, she told my, you know, my wife, she's like, man, I'm so glad that you're my mom and you can help me with this. Cause dad would be, where's the 33, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'd be a complete yeah. mess, dude. So, you know, that, that's one of the things that I, that, that would, I think I would have a hard time with, you know what I mean? But like you said, you just got to adapt and you know what I mean? Just overcome and, and, and be able to see how you could relate to them. Correct. Correct. Right. That is right. Hmm. Now with that being said, what are some of the mistakes you made that you can share with us as far as, you know, thinking back, like yeah. something that you would have changed? Yeah, some of the mistakes I've made in my early career was, um, you know, I had to travel a lot in my early career, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not that that was a mistake. I was working towards something, but um, was what I'm better at now or it been better in a long, for a long time now was my time management. I think that was the most single, most important thing. I think that uh, a line hand or anyone who works a ton of time is that time management, you know, we're out there chasing, chasing money, chasing a storm here and there. There's, there's, you only need so much. And in my early career, I chased a lot. And, um, although I was, I came home and I was there for my girls. It took a lot out of me, took a lot of energy out of me where I could have had more quality time with the girls. You know, it was just, it was, it was intense, man. But, in my mind, I was doing it for them, right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking, no, I got to get this. I got to get that. I have to be ready for these girls to have everything. But sometimes that's not, that's not everything. Fortunately, every turn, everything turned out well. But those, that's one of my, one of my uh, regrets was just chasing way too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how life is sometimes. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. in, in my mind, it took me a while to learn, like, okay, slow it down a little bit, you know, and part of that reason me transitioning into the office was, was that itself. Cause my girls were getting older and I was like, okay, I got to slow it down here. Here's an opportunity. I got an opportunity to, to become a supervisor, you know, and, 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 and have a, I was thinking, you know, now I have a broader, uh, scope on guys I can teach, you know, some of the things I've learned, you know, and the icing on the cake is I'm going to be home more for mm-hmm. my girls, you know? So that was, that's one of the things 
that was one of the mistakes I made was just trying to chase too much, mm-hmm. you know, at the very beginning of my career. I like what you said, Tony, at the beginning when I asked you the question. You said that you had a, a plan, right? You you had a goal you're working to. I think a lot of times as linemen, I know myself, we go at it, you know, just, you know, for lack of better words, balls deep, dude. We, we get mm-hmm. after it, you know, we, we chase that money. We like that money. We, we, you know, get used to spending, you know, five, six grand, <laughs> you know, making that money yeah. a week, you know what I mean? And people can't even like comprehend like the amount of money that we make, you know what I mean? And it kind of feeds our ego, I guess. So you get kind of stuck in that trap where it's like, you know, I've had conversations with the people where they're like complaining about two, $300. And you know, when you ask me, Oh, let's go buy a Harley or, or, you know, let's go drop 10 grand on, on a new building or whatever. (laughs) That's no, that's to us as line hands. It's like, okay, sure. I'll just hit a storm. I'll go make a quick 30. You know what I mean? Exactly. We never, I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't think about the implications that that has, you know what I mean? The the ripples it costs Mm -hmm. because for me, it cost me, you know, a relationship with my daughter in her younger years. You know, it cost me in my relationship with my my wife. You know what I mean? I'm still trying to repair damage that was caused, you know, from, you know, just me being out of town and telling her, you know, I'll be home, I'll be home, I'll be home, I'll be home, you know what I mean? And it's like year after year after year just goes by, dude. And yeah, you know what I mean? You're still doing it. You're still doing the same thing. And like you, we get caught up, we're doing it for our family, you know? Right. You know, so I, I can resonate with that really, you know, and I, I know a lot of our listeners too will, you know, see that as well in themselves, you know, if they're really honest, you know, um, I had a past guest on here, Tony, and uh, he talked about how our daughters need a relationship with their father and that they need to know that they are cherished and loved. Okay. What are some of the things you do or you did to make sure that they felt that way from you? You know, um, I'm divorced. I was, I was married twice. Okay. (laughs) I got divorced twice. (laughs) Okay. So both, and I have a daughter from each marriage. Oh, okay. uh, they didn't happen to live close to me. I had one 30 miles to the east and the other one was 60 miles to the west. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I made sure that I did with these young ladies was I picked them up every time and I didn't fail, whether I worked all night or not. And I drove 30 miles one way and 60 miles the other. And the most important thing out of all that was the time we spent in the car because it was all about conversations. It was all about talking, and um, I had, I cherish those memories so much of us just talking because we spent a good of four hours in the car on a single weekend, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's just what it was, man. And it was just good conversations, you know, what they're up to, what is going on, you know, what they were sad about, all those things. And then in, in return, I did the same to them, you know, like, hey, this is what's going on with me because we had time, and it was un interrupted time there was no tv the radio was off it was just us talking i think um and i've had conversations with my daughter about those things and um i think we learned a lot from each other and you know we we took a bunch of vacations we've done all that stuff but those memories of sitting in the car talking to them i think they i remember those the most out of all the things we've done you know although we did a lot of fun things that's how i got to know my girls and it was it was in a car man it was just, they know I love them 
because I will tell them anything. They ask me, I will tell them. I've learned from them. They've helped me. My 23-year-old has taught me things, you know? It's incredible. But, yeah, I mean, just just being able to talk to your kids, Mm -hmm. I think, shows a lot, you know, that that your kids know that you're humble enough to to share things with them. That's love right there, brother. Absolutely, man. Just having those open lines of communication where they trust you and they can come to you. You know what I mean? And that's a that's a that's a big plus, bro. Especially as a father, you know what I mean. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, I know for my daughter, you know, she she uh, she's getting better, right? But uh, there's a lot of stuff that she's afraid that to tell me. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. whether I look scary or whatever, you know what I mean? What 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 she thinks I'm going to say or whatever, you know what I mean? That's something that we're trying to, to work on and, and our dynamic, you know what I'm saying? But man, just having like those open communication lines, like you talked about, and then just really just reaching them. Cause that's what you did during that time in the car. You're communicating with them. You were, you were connecting, right? Everybody talks about mm-hmm. connection and that's what you were doing. You're connecting with your daughter. Cause I had another psychologist come on here and talk about saying that a father and a daughter's relationship is so unique and dynamic because a daughter's first representation of a man she's, you know, that she knows in her life is her father. So every man she bases in her relationship is going to be based off of what she knew about her father. And that was pretty powerful for me, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you can ask the question, right, <laughs> and be honest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You ask yourself, man, am I okay with my daughter marrying somebody like me? Then that's a good thing. That means you you did your, your part. But if you're not right. okay with that, <laughs> then you know what I mean? <laughs> There's got to be some exactly. changes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, that's right. But uh, I wanted to see here, you know, um, you know, we talked about being cherished. And being loved, right? Having that communication, mm-hmm. right? Because there are little princesses. What are some of the things that you, like, like, did you ever, like, write them notes or anything like that? Or did you do anything special for them at all or during your time? Yeah, I, you know, I've, well, one of the things I've always done since they were little, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm talking since my oldest was probably seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. is... I always grab the door for them. Mm. You know, when you're in the car, I get the door. And they know. When they get to the door, daddy's coming. He's going to open it for me. And I still do it to this day. And, you know, it's something to me. You know, I treat them just like you said, princesses, man. Mm -hmm. I do that for them, you know. In fact, you know, as far as notes and stuff like that, you know, just recently I wrote my, uh, the little one, the 18-year-old, a letter. You know, just telling her how proud I am of her, you know, for her graduation and 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 talking about these times. In the letter, man, I I mean, I had it right in front of me. It was, you know, I looked it up today. I was like, man, this is, this is a great thing. You know, and I could read you a little bit of it. I, I was talking about our drives, and it says, a drive that has covered over 100,000 miles. I would have never thought in all my life that I would get to know you so much by these conversations we had as we drive. You have shared accomplishments, sadness, and disappointments, and happiness, all in the cab of a car. And I have been blessed to have been there to listen to you. I've always shared with you some of my shortcomings so that you learn from my own mistakes. And this letter goes on and on talking about these special times that we had 
And these letters, man, just like you said, letters like this mean a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll continue to do that. My oldest daughter, my 23-year-old, she always calls me like, hey, dad, what's up? And boom, that's my cue. Let's talk. You know, that's, that's all I need. What's up, dad? What's going on? And we talk. And see, that's so important, so important, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's, it's, um, that's so awesome that you have that relationship that you've built like that. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a testament to other fathers out there. I mean, cause that's, that's deep down what we all want. You know what I mean? No one wants to be estranged from their kid at all. You know what I mean? Whether it be a son or a daughter, you know what I mean? But man, I don't know, man. It's, it's crazy. Cause daughters, I know, especially for me, they hold a special place in a father's heart. Yeah. And man, I'd do anything for my little girl, anything, you know what I mean? I'd walk through fire it wouldn't even matter you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and that's that's you know we say that but i think as fathers we need to learn how to convey that to them and show them that they are worth the fight that they are worth the struggle i think a lot of times as men we get prideful right and it's like they get mad at us whatever they roll their eyes they stomp out of there whatever and we're like, okay, see how it is. All right, let's see how, it, you know, go go see how it is on your own end. You know, go go <laughs> go go out there, you know what I mean? Go see what the real world's about, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, you tell them that, and then if you if you actually really do that, you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of damaging, dude, because what they really deeply want is to know that they're worth the pursuit. And they carry that into relationships with men. Are they worth the pursuit? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what they want Mm -hmm. from their father. And it's crazy, like, the correlation between a father and then how they view other men. You know what I mean? I I learned this all from a a lady by the name of uh, Meg Meeker. She's a doctor, and she always, you know, she has all these great books, you know, about um, how daughters need heroes and stuff like that. She has this one book called Strong Father, Strong Daughters. And, you know, she's always talking about how a daughter's first hero is her father. You know what I mean? So that's the next question I have for you. What did you do to become a hero to your daughters? Um, I think is uh, treating them, treating those girls like they're, like they're my queens, Mm -hmm. you know? You know, I think, uh, I think throughout the years, you know, I've done my very, very best to treat them in such a way that they, um, they know what to expect out of a man, you know? Mm-hmm. Although I have, although I have made mistakes, you know, you know, and, and they brought them up to me and, and I'm so happy that they have, cause I've learned from that, you know, and I do listen to them, but, um, the main, the, you know, apart that they think I'm cool, you know, you know, <laughs> right. you know, I'm a, I was a lime. They love the Lyman. They, they love Lyman. They know about work. They can tell you about conductor. They know everything mm-hmm. they, cause they've heard it all their lives. So they think that's super cool, you know, and then now the bladesmithing stuff, they're like, man, my dad's awesome, you know, but more importantly than that, you know, it's just, just the connection that I've had with them, you know, in my, I hope, you know, that they can consider me a hero, you know, just by just how I've treated them and the things that I've had to do for them to be together, you know, Mm -hmm. just, just driving so much just to make sure that they were together. You know, I, I think, um, it wasn't easy, but for me, it was, 
it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a chore. I knew that Saturday morning I got to get up and I got to be here and I got to be there and they're going to be together. I already knew that, and um, I hope that they look at that as like you know something pretty extraordinary to to accomplish in a weekend to, just to make sure they were together. And any other time that they had to be together, just go fetch them, you know. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that definitely shows them that they're worth a chase. You know what I mean? All that extra effort you put in to make sure they're together, you know, and not treating them like they're a burden. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes, you know, I, I, I know I'm guilty of this. You know, sometimes you get busy, you get, you know, whatever. you are got to go pack your bags because you're going to want storm or whatever, and you're just kind of like, yeah, 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 okay, I'll be right there. You know what I mean? Well, when we when we do that, we let them know that what we're doing at that moment is more important than they are. And that slowly chips away at their ability to how they think about themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it, you know, and I, once again, I attribute, you know, learning that from Meg Meeker. Um, you know, one of the things she says, and I want to quote her is our daughter's attitude towards themselves comes directly from us. That includes her ambitions, her expectations, and their assessment of their own capabilities, all from what we believe and what we say and what we do. That's powerful, bro. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the influence we wield as a father, you know, and that's the whole premise be- behind um, what we do here at this foundation is, you know, it's it's noble to work, you know. We have to work. We have to provide. You know what I mean? But we're more than just a paycheck at the end of the day. You know, we we have to make those connections. We have to have quality time. It's not necessarily um, quantity because, you know, obviously we got to provide. We got to go to work and stuff like that. But if we can mm-hmm. make that quality time, make that time count like you did in that vehicle, you know, on those long drives, you're making that connection. You're you know, building those bridges of communication that later on in your life, you know, you have successful young daughters now, you know what I mean? 18, 23 years old. And, you know, they still want to speak to you. You know, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not the case for a lot of fathers, a lot of linemen, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure you've met a lot of linemen where they're like, eh, you know, my daughter, they don't even want to talk to me, you know, well, for sure. So that, that's, that's awesome that you're successful. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here is to share with, especially these young dads, you know what I mean? The, Hey, you can do it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, how many of us bought into the whole deal or you're not alive unless you've been divorced five times. And you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> we've all heard it, right? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Um, when I was talking to you about, um, our influence, on our daughters, right? With their ambitions, you know, their expectations and stuff like that. Have you noticed anything like that in your daughters, you know, as far as like who they choose to date or like a, a work, like, like, you know, if, if they're choosing a job or stuff like that, do you see your influence at all? Oh, de- definitely. I mean, you know, both of my girls know that I'm a, I'm a go-getter, you know, it, I, I, ever since my girls were little, I've always told them, you can be, you can do anything in life. You can do anything you want and whatever you choose, just be the best at it. That's all I ask, you know, mm-hmm. just, just be the best at what you do. 
and they've seen me, you know, their whole lives I've been in the, in the trade, you know, almost their whole lives, except, you know, my 23 year old was three years old, mm-hmm. but they've, they've grown up with this trade and they've seen that everything I wanted to accomplish, I did. They've seen about the bladesmithing. I wanted to accomplish this goal, you know, to, to become a bladesmith and I've done it and I definitely see it in, in their actions. Um, my oldest, my 23 year old, she's a recent graduate from university of California, Riverside. She just graduated, uh, 2020, mm-hmm. which is kind of crappy during the pandemic, but, um, she's now getting ready to start her master's program. You know, she's ready to go do that. Very ambitious, very, she's a go getter. She knows what she wants to do, you know, and she's going after it. My 18 year old, I'll be dropping her off at LSU here in, uh, in August. She'll be on her own in Louisiana going to school. She knows exactly what she wants to do. She's another go-getter. These girls are just all about it, and I think they've seen that growing up from her dad, you know, saying, hey, you're going to do something. You go 100%, you know, mm-hmm. and you be the best. At, at, at what you're going to do, you be the best at it. And I was very blessed to have these two girls that um, got A's their whole career. I mean, I didn't think it was possible getting a 4.6. I said, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, right. how do you do that? And, and you know, they're just all about it, just like their dad. And, you know, so very, very blessed and fortunate that these girls, you know, have a good head on their shoulders. And, you know, no, and, and it ain't just because of me, you know, it's their moms as well. You know, they, they were there. They were there, you know. I co-parented these kids for a long time and, you know, we both had the same agenda, you know, and it, it just happened to work out for us, you know, and, and, and I wish the best for my girls, you know, in, in all their dreams and everything. And they're well on their way to doing that. So, you know, I'm very happy and very fortunate. Hmm, no, that's, that's, that's an awesome testament, dude, right there, bro. Just to see how successful they become and just for you to mirror what success is, you know what I mean? And that influence you wielded in your own home, you know what I mean? To where they're go-getters and, you don't see that a lot. I mean, how many times do you see people start something and they don't finish it? And that drives me insane, dude. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. I mean, that, I mean, I, that, that really pisses me off, dude. You know, I have a, <laughs> I have a neighbor, right? And the mm-hmm. dude will put up like, you know, probably about 15 feet of fence and stop. <laughs> Straight up stop. And then he'll paint half of that 15 feet and then stop. And then he'll, get lazy and get another color and paint that and not finish it. And that'll go on for about, uh, I guess now 10 years now. <laughs> and I'm like, my God, dude, what the hell? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it just, it just oh, drives yeah. me insane when people cannot finish. You know what I mean? You start something, you finish it. I mean, how many times have they, tell you that growing up in the trade or even your father you know i know i learned that from my dad you know you start something you finish it and you know you do something you do it right the first time otherwise you're going to be out here you know restacking that wood you know that's what my old man used to tell me he would uh he would go and we'd cut wood and that's how he would get you know our extra money for like christmas presents and stuff like that and we'd deliver Uh it all over to the rich people in santa fe and uh dude that was back in the day where we cut it we split it we delivered it and we stacked it you, yeah. you don't see that nowadays, dude. Now they come, they just throw it there on the floor and try to get out of there right. before you can figure out if it's a true court or not. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> you know, but that, that, that was his mentality too. You know, it was like, you do it right the first time or you're going to be out here stacking it again. And I don't care if it's cold, you know, that's, that's the way my old man was, you know, and he taught us definitely, you know, what it meant to, to be a good worker and have good work ethic and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to ask you, dude, cause I know a lot of fathers on here always get the same question is how did you deal with daughters dating? Like, were you the type of guy who's over there cleaning the shotgun or, you know, when they came over and stuff like that, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, how did you deal yeah, with that? So, it was, um, well, my, my oldest, she's had, uh, her boyfriend right now, he's an awesome kid. They both went to college together. They actually grew up together. And I have a, I have a feeling they were probably boyfriend and girlfriend sooner than I thought they were. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't until her senior year that she finally told me Aaron's her boyfriend, you know. Mm -hmm. But I had known this kid already, you know, and Aaron's a good kid, you know. He's an awesome guy. So it wasn't, that one wasn't too difficult to accept, you know. And then, you know, my 18-year-old, she, as far as I know, and as far as her mom as well, she, her first boyfriend just, you know, it was just now 18 years old. Well, 17, her senior year, you know, mm -hmm. and, but that one was a little tougher because, um, because my 17 year old or my 18 year old now, she's totally different from my 23 year old. She's like the, like, let's get it. Come on, let's go. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you say, Hey, let's, you guys want to go here. She's all about it. She's already in the car. Let's rock and roll. You know, mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, man, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? But fortunately, <laughs> you know, uh, her boyfriend, his name is Chance. He's a good kid. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's uh, he's off in Notre Dame right now. He took off early. He took off early because he's going to be cornerback for Notre Dame this coming up season. So, wow. so he's already there. So now it's like, you know, they're, and they're going to be apart, you know, but they're still boyfriend and girlfriend. But it, it was tough at first just because of how outgoing little Tony is, you know. I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to have to do here, you know? And I got this <laughs> football star kid, you know? You know, what is, What does he want? You know what You know what I'm saying? It's oh, just, yeah. It, it, that was tough. But then I realized, you know what? He was raised, when I started learning more about him, he was raised in the same manner that little Tony was, where they were, they had a goal, and they went to pretty privileged schools, both of them, and they knew what they had to do to go to this school. This is the expectations for you to maintain, for you to keep going to this school. And they were both raised in the same manner where, where um, they weren't out every week. They weren't out on the weekends. They weren't doing stuff. They were focused on getting into a good school, you know. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be a little tired, you know. Now little Tony's taking off. She's going to be by herself. So, of course, I'm going to be worried that she's out in Louisiana by herself, but I hope that everything that we've taught her, you know, will, will still remain true and, um, and she does fine, you know, but yeah, definitely dude. I was, I was a little more worried there, but it happened in the later years for me, you know, mm -hmm. until they were 17, 18 years old. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, I could, I, 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 like I said, I was a little worried about little Tony cause she's, she is the outgoing kid, you know, mm -hmm. she's going to be a politician. She's got to be <laughs> right. <laughs> now, um, I wanted to ask you, was that by like choice that they chose not to date later? Or was that because, was that like a rule in the house? Like, 
It was, it was it was my rule. It was my rule. My rule was that number one focus is you know getting through school with good grades and and I never saw it in them as a like oh dad I can't believe this. I never saw that in them. It was it was like accepted, and and, and also because you know mom was in the same boat. She was on the same boat. She wasn't all about oh you can have you can date at sixteen you can do all that. I told him just straight out, I go, look, you got too much going on, you know, because, you know, little Tony played volleyball and Carissa was involved in so many other things, but there was no time for boys. And I said, look, if you do it right, you know, the, the time will come when you're ready for it and then it'll show up and it'll be great, you know, but don't go out looking for it. I know they're coming looking for you, but don't fall into nothing. And, and it was sort of a rule, but I never said, you better not, you know, mm-hmm. it was never like that. It was just look, the time will come and it'll be right. And, mm-hmm. you know, just focus on what you got going. And they did. They both they both focused on school to, you know, to graduate with honors and, you know what I mean? And and then now, you know, you know, I, I both of them are in their own little relationship. Well, Chris and Aaron have been going for a while now. And he's a great kid. And now I got, got another, another guy. I got Chance, you know. And so far he's proven to be a good kid, you know. So mm-hmm. can't be happier. Yeah, that's really cool, too, because uh, I have older sisters that are twins. They're seven years older than me, and uh, they were not allowed to date, you know, and um, they knew better. <laughs> you know, and that, that's just the way my, my old man was, you know, and uh, the, uh, you know, where we lived, the story was don't date the twins because their dad will shoot your new kneecaps off. You know what I mean? That That's how everybody perceived them. You know what I mean? And oh man! So they're afraid to, you know, guys were like afraid to to ask them out. You know, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. You know, and then, <laughs> and but they turned out good. You know, one of them is gonna, you know, she's gonna be running for uh, Secretary of State for the state of New Mexico here coming up. And uh, right, oh yeah, you know, and the other one, my other sister, her twin Bev, she's uh she actually is a licensed counselor for northern new mexico where she helps uh you know like troubled children and stuff like that and like it would see yfd and stuff like that so that was that was her heart so they both did really really good you know um that was a uh, pretty pretty interesting to see though because i mean it could go the other way you know if you're too strict yeah you know they can absolutely you can yeah they could rebel you know what i mean and we didn't, you know what I mean? We're, my dad was fortunate, I should say, not me, but my dad was fortunate that, <laughs> that it didn't turn out that way. I think they had the, you know, for lack of better words, what he used to always say, you know, put the fear of God in you, you know what I mean? If you act up, you know, <laughs> type of mentality, you know, and that's, oh yeah, you know, that's just the old school way of, of thinking, you know, and, uh, you know, fortunately for him, it, it actually worked out, you know, but man, yeah. I, honestly, I, I think honestly, I think that um, if you have a good relationship with your daughter mm-hmm. and and it, an open one, obviously an open relationship where you can talk about it. If you got to talk about boys, it's not easy for the man. But I'll tell you what: if you can talk about that man, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll respect that out of you, saying you know, like, and you and you and then you show them what's important right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is what this is what number one priority is right now because you have a lifetime to date and you know do whatever you want but right now this is this is number one because we got to get you to this place right now and they see it they Mm -hmm. do see it you know but you can't be forceful you can't be forceful and 
if you know they if they do have a boyfriend, you better be ready to talk. You better be ready to talk. Don't get angry, you know, but you got to be willing to be open with them and and talk. You know, just I'm sorry. You know, I, I said that Tony had a boyfriend. This is her first boyfriend. She had a kid that broke her heart her junior year, mm-hmm. and we were able to talk about it. And I said, baby, your first broken heart. You know, this this is going to happen. And and then I and then I started. She started telling me more about this kid, and I was like. Okay, you know what? He doesn't seem too cool. You know, look at all the things he did. He ignored you here, ignored you there, ignored you there. What do you? Why are we crying over him? Like, let's let's forget about this kid. And that was important to talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. so but keep her focus, keep him focus. You know, in the right direction, but be ready to talk because you want them to come to you. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to hide stuff from you, and you know. Bad things can happen, whatever. Just be ready to talk. That's all you got to be, man. And it's cool to see because just like thinking about your story and just what you've said so far, you know, I can actually go back and think about and, and, and see where you actually made that connection, where you built that trust. And it was in those, you know, those drives. Yeah. That's those conversations, man. Exactly. Those little conversations you had with them for four hours and stuff, just building that trust, building that trust. So they knew they could come to daddy when it came mm-hmm. down to, Hey dad, I want to talk to you about this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from this podcast that, you know, you're on is just learning to build those bridges. You know what I mean? In conversation and stuff like that. And that's pretty awesome that you're able to share with us the way you did that. You know what I mean? Now I wanted to ask you, Tony hindsight, 2020, if you were to run into yourself, you know, like say uh, 15 years ago, what would you tell your younger self? Like, what a bit of advice would you give yourself if you were to run into yourself, you know, <laughs> a younger yeah. version? I would, I would um, definitely tell myself that um, I know there's a goal mm-hmm. that you want to get to, you know, and, uh, we're fortunate to work in a trade where it's endless mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not a race. It's definitely not a race and you will get there. You will get there, but keep in mind what's in front of you right now. Keep that, you know, the, the number one goal should be if you have children, that's it right there. And your spouse, obviously. But I would tell myself that this is not a race. Just hang in there. You're going to accomplish everything because, I'll tell you what, we can go work anywhere we want, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the money's there. It ain't going nowhere. You know, <laughs> it's actually more work than ever. Yep. So I would tell myself that, man, slow it down. Take care of what's in front of you right now, you know, just to ensure that those kids grow up correctly, you know, with their dad there. You know, fortunately for me, it turned out well, it did take a lot more effort of traveling and trying to get them and no sleep, you know, just moving around a bunch to make sure the, the girls were together. That was, that was my price. That was my price, you know? And to me, looking back at it, Hey, that's the way it was. I didn't, life wasn't any different. That's the way it was for me. So it's cool, but that can take a toll on some people. Mm-hmm. It really can. And why put yourself through that? You know, just, Slow it down, make your money. You're going to make plenty of it. And, you know, just 
reach your goal. It might take you just a little bit longer. Really not that long because, <laughs> mm-hmm. man, there's a lot of it out there right now. Man, there is, man. It's crazy, and it just keeps going up and up and up, the ante. Um, one of the things that I had a lineman tell me one time, he's like, man, if you can't pay your bills on 40 hours a week, you know, anything over 40 yeah. is extra. That's that, that goes into savings, whatever. Whatever you want to do, buy yourself a brand-new truck, whatever, you know. So, mm-hmm. But if you can't make your bills on 40, something's wrong with your life. You need to really, really assess it and man, I always think about that. It's like, man, if you can't pay your bills on 40 hours, you need to start making changes, start making shifts. You know what I'm saying? Because fortunately, you know, the overtime's there now, but I mean, how many times have we seen it go up and down? Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'll tell you what, man, if if anybody wants to try it, if you're a contractor, go to the utility. And when you're not at the top of the list for the overtime, You'll work a forty-hour week, and you'll you'll get humbled real quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll and I'll tell you what, it's the funniest thing in the world because when I got there, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm at the bottom of the overtime list because the it works differently. It's not like hey, you're working tonight. It's there's a list. Mm-hmm. It's called you know. So and when you're at the bottom, you ain't getting no work. You're like, man, I used to make more as a fifth step apprentice. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> It'll humble you real quick. I'll tell you that right now. So. But it, it works out okay, you know, because when you get to the top of the list, you'll work your hours, you'll get your money back. But it does make you realize, like, okay, I gotta, I gotta manage, you know, how I spend my money, mm-hmm. because you could be at the bottom of the list for a little while and working forty hours, you know. And I'll tell you what, driving home sometimes at three thirty, I was like, what am I gonna do with the rest of my day? <laughs> <laughs> Go build knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, that that's so true too, man. Especially when you go from getting paid weekly, you know, yeah, to exactly. bi-weekly, <laughs> and that yeah. sucks. <laughs> You're like, oh man. Hey, one of our sayings was when we're, uh, uh, and you know Raul Gordado. Yeah, right? yeah. You were yeah. just on his podcast. I used to work for Raul. This is 15 years ago. We were working for this contractor. We used to get paid early. I think it was on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And one of our things was, hey, bro, don't worry about it. You'll be rich on Wednesday again. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Wrong mentality. Wrong mentality, man. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go buy this, you know. <laughs> and, and it's funny, too, because you get used to that. Like, I, I like sometimes, yeah. I, you know, you go from different contractors and, you know, like one of the contractors I worked with was Wednesday, right? You got direct deposit. You know, yeah, exactly. direct deposit was a blessing, dude, because I've been on some jobs where before there was direct deposit where you're actually driving 60 miles to to deposit your check because you're working seven twelves <laughs> and they're taking money out of your check. And then you're having to wire that money to your wife so she could put it in your bank. And that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're over there on some high line, you know, building a 230 line in the middle of nowhere. But uh, yeah. So direct deposit definitely is a blessing, but, uh, you know, you, you get comfortable. You, you're like, okay, so Wednesday, right. Uh, we're getting paid. And yeah. then, you know, you yeah. work for another contractor and it's like, no, it's Thursday. And then you go to another <laughs> contractor and like, I'll buy by law five o'clock, 5 PM on a Friday is what the contract says. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> we get spoiled is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. You know, but, um, uh, I just want to thank you once again, Tony, for coming on this podcast, dude. You're you're an awesome dude, bro. I, I really enjoy talking to you, and uh, I want to give you an opportunity to just share with our audience where they can find you. I know I know you make knives and stuff like that, and do you have a website or anything that they can go to? 
So I, I mainly do everything out of Instagram, and it's it's okay. Tony. I'm, it's Tony underscore Bravo underscore Knives. If you just punch up Tony Bravo Knives, it'll show up. Um, yeah, that's mainly out of there. You can see a bunch of videos of me working, uh, pictures of knives that I'm working on, and past. And it's it's been a journey, definitely, man. And it's I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I really do appreciate you having me on the show, man. I love talking about this subject exactly. And that's about, you know, being a father and being a dad. So Mm -hmm. thank you for the opportunity to share with you guys, man. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, Tony. That's awesome, dude. And uh, just once again, thank you for just sharing your life, your story, you know, on this, uh, this podcast. And that's what we're here for. We're trying to, you know, just engage fathers and let them know, hey, we're more than just a paycheck. Once again, this is David from the Show Up Dad Foundation. Thank you, and thank you, Tony, and God bless you, brother, and uh, take care, but we'll be talking to you some more. Okay, bro? Appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Bye.